Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. And on the show today, we've got none other than Bootleg from Not a Real Libertarian podcast. How's it going today, man? Doing good. It's, uh, it's you know, it's Thursday, I think it is anyways. It's, it's a day of the week, so... Yeah, Hell, it's Masters kickoff. Come on now. <laughs> Charlie's pumped Tiger's about playing. Masters time. <laughs> He's playing well. Is he playing well? I was going to ask you yeah. how that was going. Yeah, I mean, the, the just throwing darts out there. Last I checked, he was one under, but I don't. Yeah, but how's he doing at golf? I don't Good. really care about his dart skills or yeah. anything. That's not, not what I'm watching for. That, well, it's just, just a figure of speech. Oh, okay. I got you. Right. All right. I'm being well, super literal today, so... <laughs> Anyhow, uh, it, anyway, it, everyone, we've got bootleg on here, and it's going to be a fun time for sure. We'll have links in the show notes for the Not a Real Libertarian podcast, and we want to let everyone know that we're not real libertarians either. It's okay if you're not a real libertarian, because from what I can tell, no one is. Is that is that correct? What I hear, uh, I was. What well, the funny thing about it is, I met you guys at the LPTN convention what a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and technically that's the anniversary for the show. I actually had the idea about a year ago because I heard someone say, oh, well, you know, you're not a real libertarian because you believe in this, or you're not a real libertarian because of that. And I was like, ooh, uh, sarcasm alert. Let me, uh, let me, let me, let me start something. Let's, let's do this. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, nobody's a real libertarian because if you ask somebody else, literally anyone, uh, if you don't believe in X, Y, or Z, don't matter. So. Well, hey, y'all speak for yourself because I am libertarian. <laughs> really? Like I am. I bet you're libertarian. But so the any, real, so the anyone, only one. Anyone who's not like you then is not a real libertarian. Then yeah, I make decisions on who's real or not. And so <laughs> it's I'm the only one. Oh well, hey, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Then we we've also not you know not only are we having this interview, but we've got the one and only real libertarian. What do you think makes a, what do you think makes a real libertarian? You got any ideas on that? Cause honestly, I have no clue. Cause we know what makes it not a real one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's to me and I hate the philosophy, right? Like I hate getting into, into these philosophical discussions because that seems like that's all the party is, is the philosophy and all like the economics, you know, I've read 27 books on this philosophy and 108 books on uh, economics. But in my mind, it's just, it's, it's very simple. Do you have this understanding and this desire to reduce government? What, for whatever reason, right? Like whether it's for personal gain, societal gain, um, whatever it is, if you believe that reducing government is beneficial period to whatever level, um, that's, that's libertarian to me. Now, who are some of your – well, I'll just be honest real quick. I don't know about you, Chuck, but I I haven't read any Mises. I haven't read any Rothbard. Um, I haven't read – well, I guess I don't know how far down the list I can go because I read a little bit of the Hazlitt and, and a lot of Ayn Rand, I guess. But I haven't read uh, Atlas Shrugged. You know, I, I just haven't done it, and I think most people haven't either. They're just playing with you whenever they talk about that. So, I mean, who do you think – some of the best influences are like, so who are some of your influences? How did you come to, to this point of view? Um, 
I don't I don't read a lot. Like I don't like and maybe that's that's why I'm not a real libertarian. I don't read all these uh, all these books or whatever. Like I have uh all the the big ones like the Iron Rand and all that. Um but uh, and it's kind of cringy to say it, but I was really pushed into the movement um t- circa 2019 maybe. No. No it'd been yeah, I guess 2019, um, the the Boogaloo Boys Online really pushed me into it. Like, they bullied me over my uh, – because firearms is my huge personal uh, – like, if I had to pick one policy topic, that's it. That's the one thing I care about the most because, to me, nothing else matters. If you can't defend your beliefs, they don't matter. Um, and they kind of pushed me into it, and I formed my opinion over time. Um, having conversations with people, discussing things. I've even changed my mind on the show before. I've had discussions with someone who's like, well, you're wrong because of X, Y, and Z, and they'll form a great argument. I'm like, holy shit. That's actually a really good argument. Like that, what you're saying makes sense for things. So my experience has been a lot more of uh, interpersonal than just the philosophical, I guess. Ah, fresh libertarian. Yeah. Just a couple years now. Yeah. Welcome. And so where, <laughs> where welcome. Welcome, welcome to the shit show that we have going on over here. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so where did you come from as far as your beliefs were before that? You know, you, you moved into being a, a, not a real libertarian, you know, in 2019. So where did you come from before that? Uh, the, the grand old party of uh, <laughs> the United States. The grand old party. <laughs> How about that? The good old party. That's mm. awesome. Now, I mean, we did too. We were both pretty much on on the right, hard right. Well, I don't know what's hard right these days. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely a Bush fan for sure, and um, I thought Obama was going to kill us all. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I totally bought into all the the talk show radio hosts back in the day. Used to listen to uh, Mark Levin. Mm-hmm. Maybe and some Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. All those guys. Hannity. Crazy. Michael Savage. Oh, yeah. He was one of my favorites. That was the first one yeah. I listened to. Yeah. Uh, he just had a real, he, he just articulated stuff well. Um, and it wasn't until I saw Ron Paul. I, I, I'm a Ron Paul libertarian, I guess you could say, which was, that's what makes me so real. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that story before. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, very similar. Um, well, kind of similar background. Uh, from coming from the right for me. Now you said that libertarians get too entrenched in like the, the philosophy and all this deep conversation about everything. So what, what do you think, what do you think they should be doing? Because we kind of, we kind of agree with you. We touch on that a little bit, but we also, we try to focus on having conversations that normal people are having in their heads uh, because libertarians aren't normal people. And I hope everyone realizes that. But so what, what do you think they ought to be doing? Uh, I think we should all look to be more pragmatic, right? Like instead of shouting at people about taxation is theft and all this stuff, um, show your community what it would look like to have a voluntarist, a voluntarist society. If I'm, I'm totally saying that word wrong, but, um, it, show people what it looks like, raise a few chickens, donate eggs to homeless shelters or, you know, work at a, a soup kitchen, um, do, do stuff in your community that shows them what, what a, a, a governmentless state or a smaller a small government state would look like, and then when they start saying, "Hey, this guy does a lot of work," and then you start talking to them, and they've known that you've done this stuff for a long time, um, 
then when you start saying, hey, we can do this stuff without government, you want proof. I've been showing you for three months or six months or whatever. Uh, that's a lot easier argument than saying, well, see, I read this book here and it says, because like that doesn't win an argument or that doesn't show people that these things can be done. If you talk about it, it eh, it's, it's like winning a Facebook argument. Nobody cares, right? At the end of the day, you sign off and Facebook's not a real place and you go home. If you do stuff in the real world, being pragmatic and doing real stuff, that wins hearts and minds. I think that's right. That's one of the things that's led us to to wanting to join the Libertarian Party of Tennessee. Are you are are you in Tennessee? We met you at the LPTN convention, but I don't remember asking. Is that where you're from? Yeah, uh, I'm actually in Tennessee. I am actually the regional chair for the Appalachian region here in Tennessee. So I I know a little bit about trying to do uh, some grassroots work. So yeah, you that, are from the Smokies then. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Any moonshine over there? Bootleg? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Of course not. Of course there isn't any. Don't ask those kinds of things on the recording. No, I for legal reasons, no. I I totally I (laughs) I didn't think so. Just double checking. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah, they all got lost in a tragic boating accident. Mm. All the all the moonshine. For sure. No, I wanted that. There's a lot of drunk fish. <laughs> wanted to. Uh, so the right to defend yourself, you know, guns, all that. Let's a little bit more on that. Why is that? Why is that so important? And isn't I mean, we don't have to be libertarians to do that. I mean, Republicans are going to protect our right to defend ourselves, right? So uh, we, don't, we don't really have to worry they got about the that. NRA. <laughs> yeah. 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 So how's that looking these days? Uh, it's incredibly scary because of the simple fact that Republicans have actually never actually defended the right to own firearms. They've actually been the, the strongest proponent for reducing uh, firearm ownership in the United States, primarily starting with, uh, you know, there was some guy that Republicans really, really like. He was an actor out in California. He was a governor or something. Um, probably wouldn't know who he was. He was a president at some point, too. Um, but he was one of the biggest proponents for reducing firearm ownership in the United States, primarily black communities. Um, and as we've seen here recently, very recently, Donald Trump just said, ah, eh, bump stocks, you don't need it. Bye. And Republicans didn't flinch, not even a little bit, no bucking, nothing. Republicans don't care. They haven't. As long as their guy gets to keep their power. They'll give up whatever they want to. Now, when the Democrat's in charge, let's say like a Joe Biden, then all of a sudden, oh, my God, we're going to lose our right to own firearms. But yet you look at you look at Joe Biden, you look at Barack Obama and you look at uh, Bill Clinton. Can you name any one major piece of legislation that went through their desk that they signed that reduced your ability to own a firearm? Not really. Nope. In fact, the Heller decision in D.C., I believe, was under Bill Clinton's. uh term of course of a supreme court case but that mm-hmm. happened in 95 i believe 96 maybe i don't know dc heller i'd have to look it up but um yeah that that and then i remember in the 20 in the 2016 election one of the big things was like oh hillary clinton's gonna take away your guns like we have to vote for donald trump um and that was one of the things that was being talked about and then sure enough i remember covering this but sure enough whenever he banned the bump stocks and things like that we're like Oh, I thought Hillary Clinton was the one that was going to, you know, take away our guns. Not, yeah, but who, not need, Trump. who needs a bump stock, Charlie? Right. I mean, really just terrorists. When you have rubber you know? bands, what do you need a bump stock for anyway? Yeah, you don't need that. But 
that you're right though. I mean, Republicans seem to be okay as long as their person's in charge. It really doesn't matter what they do because when that person has all the power, they're going to do just fine. Red flag laws, pretty big thing too. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty scary thing right there. And a lot of Republicans seem to be in favor of it. Even old, uh, I believe, is it Dan Crenshaw that was in favor of a, a lot of the red flag laws that were going on? I mean, that I, I can't imagine being a Second Amendment founding father's constitution lover and being okay with the government. Literally, they just get to the side whether or not you're going to be able to keep this gun. But as long as you're in control of who's on the red flag list, then who cares? You yeah. know, it's fine. They'll never do we'll it. Go What's ahead. even crazier than that is, if you remember, like Republicans are, were the ones that touted forever how important the Patriot Act was, mm. and they still kind of favor it. But if you remember when Donald Trump was claiming on national TV, "I'm being bugged," they're wiretapping me, you know, they're watching everything I say and do. Turns out he wasn't that crazy. Turns out the the policy that Republicans love to tout. Uh, was used against them in a major way and I, I don't like trump but i sure as shit don't like the ability for the federal government to spy on campaigns or candidates or for incoming uh, incoming presidents that's insane i mean it's you, you think oh, they would have woken up from that you know they would have seen oh yeah this should this is a bad thing the government shouldn't have the power to do this but well, they also spied on him while he was sitting president as well. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just yeah. it wasn't just when he was a candidate or the incoming president. It was when he was actually president as well. That's all coming to light. And this is something we talk about all the time, which is like you never know who's going to be in charge of the things that you advocate for. And while your guy's in or gal, either way, because um, that's fine nowadays. Yeah, it, whoever's in power that you like. Like those types of things, like, oh, that's fine. They would never use that against me. And then when the other person does get in power, that's exactly who, exactly what they do. They use all those tools. I mean, one of the scariest things with the Patriot Act that happened, or I guess it was the Freedom Act that happened under Obama, which is a little bit worse than the Patriot Act, um, was the... Uh, was the in was it the not the NCAA the in definitely wasn't the the NDAA I believe that was signed NDAA yeah that uh, basically gives the government the power to uh, indefinitely hold you without charging you with a crime yeah now of course that was done for terrorism but that that's now legal for the for the government to hold you indefinitely without charging with a crime if you're suspected of terrorism. Now, well, think, who have they declared to be terrorists now, though, too? That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Now, think about who they're calling terrorists. Anybody they disagree with. You're now a domestic terrorist. So they can chart, They can literally hold you indefinitely because you're uh, suspected of terrorism because they, they don't like you. So these are the types of things that are, that are really scary that are happening in both parties. Yeah. So wasn't it uh, <clears throat> Uh, Barack Obama's CIA director or somebody who said that libertarians were included on the list of like domestic terrorists. Like, like he was saying that these are people, he things like MSNBC, he was going off a whole list of people that were considered domestic terrorists. And he said like white nationalists. And he said like the Klan and like these biker gangs and then libertarians. And then kept going. I was like, yeah. yeah. Whoa, wait, what? That's because we have that don't tread on me flag. Yeah. Which is obviously racist flag. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's got a snake on it. It's associated 
with mm-hmm. white nationalism and uh, probably Nazis too. I I would say, and I've I've actually heard some people say that we should stop using the "Don't Tread on Me" flag because of the people that use it. I'm just like, what? So any flag, like if someone that you don't agree with decides that they're gonna care, they're gonna carry the pride flag at the next Nazi rally, then mm-hmm. uh, then anyone who's who's got that out there, you know, you can't use it anymore. Not that don't tread on me and pride flag are the exact same thing at all, but maybe like a don't tread on me pride flag come together. You know what I mean? Anyway, I don't know what we're talking about. I'm fine with it. (laughs) Anymore. Um, Yeah. So this is a pretty important, this is a pretty important thing. You said that it was people online that basically changed, changed your minds, your mind on this. And um, how did they, how did that happen? Because one thing I'm really interested in is how we can actually change people's minds was that a tough thing to do did it take a while to make that decision or admit that maybe you were wrong on something yeah so really what they focused on was the firearm stuff right like it was i was in deep on a lot of firearm groups online on facebook twitter whatever actually wasn't twitter it was like facebook and reddit and all these other places and they kept hitting me with like hey you know this republican supported this legislation and this Republican supported this legislation and then the NRA supported all of it. And the NRA supported this campaign who supports this and this and this. And I was like, they know this truth. It's all crap. It's all like Democrat propaganda bullshit. <laughs> and then I started doing the research. And I was like, wait, what? And you start going down the rabbit hole and you're like, Oh dear, sweet baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you realize like your entire life was a lie, like everything you thought you knew. Cause I, I was raised a Republican, like not just a Republican. Like I was like diehard neocon. Like for a long time, I was like, why are we in Afghanistan? Why don't we just nuke it? Turn it to glass. Look how pretty it will be when, you know, when sand turns to glass, Yeah. Um, turn it into an amusement park for like, you know, glass water slides or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get to the point where, sorry, I'm going to turn my phone off. I should probably mute that. <laughs> but uh super professional well, if it's um, important i mean we should take it right now <laughs> on the air <laughs> oh she would love that that's my wife calling she she would love being on there like she'll she'll go off about something and she's like wait what are you doing oh, I'm, I'm in the Navy. that would be hilarious yeah, you're you're wanting to turn the sand on the glass thing. That reminds me of other strong neocons in the room right here, like Charlie, who was just former. Having, can you say former? Former, yeah, neocons who just were just having dreams of sand turning in the glass. Mm-hmm. And I was the same way when I saw the bombs hitting Iraq. I remember it being on TV. I can see it right now. Everyone knows, you know, when we first started bombing them, I was happy about it. I was excited. You know, I felt like we were getting them back for what i don't know yeah. <laughs> but we were getting them back those sons of bitches did something i know they did yeah you know because our government wouldn't lie to us no yeah never <laughs> they had weapons of mass destruction that's what it was yeah we were getting them back for that i was trying to figure out why it was that's that we what, were the weapons uh, of mass destruction mm-hmm. and they had like uh attacked some of their own people or something i don't know mm-hmm. i don't remember what so as it turns out, it wasn't weapons of mass destruction. Bush just ate some really bad curry, and what he meant to say, it's weapons of ass destruction. That because he said sense. for like three days, he said it was nothing but fire. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot more sense now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's easily misunderstood. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't think the guy knows what he was saying half the time. You know, I, mission accomplished. <laughs> 
He look, was better than Biden, though. I'm, he was not at, saying much. At talking, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was so so much better than <laughs> Biden for sure. Uh, so I wanted to know on the on the podcast, um, you guys have like multiple kinds of episodes coming out, right? Do you have multiple people hosting different episodes on the channel? How does that work out? So we're we're less of like a singular podcast and we've kind of morphed into like a network style thing. Um, Sunday nights I do like a news broadcast, which is um, like I, I do expose pieces. Um, I do uh, like just I'll, I'll review certain articles that are in the news I think are interesting that people should know about that they may not know about. Um, like I recently covered the move uh, bill that's in, in, in Congress right now where it just passed the House barely and it's probably going to get murdered in the Senate. Um, that's the one where it's, they call it legalization of weed at the federal level, but in, in reality, it's decriminalization. It's descheduling it. Um, and, taxing, and, then and taxing of it. Five to 8% over a few years. Um, and then Monday nights, we just started a new show uh, with our first female host. I love her to death. She's awesome. Christine Womack out of uh, PA. Um, she does Liberty 101, uh, Wednesday nights, uh, Will and Braxton do not a real veteran podcast. Um, they cover veteran issues. Like all three of us are vets, but they, I let, they, they wanted to do that show. And I was like, absolutely. They do that show Wednesday nights. And then tonight, uh, Thursday night is the flagship show. the not a real libertarian. Um, we do, we'll do interviews, uh, like tonight we don't have a guest scheduled. Will and I will just. We're going to discuss something. We're going to debate something. We'll see how the conversation goes. And we've done a few of these. We don't do them a lot, but when we get going on it, we find a topic and we just nail at it, nail at it, nail at it. It ends up being a great episode. Him and I differ in a lot of things. We agree on a lot of things. and It makes for a good show. So I heard in an episode, I think it might have been your most recent episode, you were talking about, uh, let's see, you talked about the weed decriminalization. I we've been speculating that they made that bill so terrible that they wouldn't be able to get enough support in the Senate, but they are going to make it look like they want to uh, legalize weed. And so they can say, Oh, we tried, but we couldn't get enough Republican support to come on and help us do this. And they did that by making such a terrible bill that actually is going to be creating a lot of, uh, a, a lot of new crimes inside of it and taxing. I mean, so, it's a god awful bill, and and so I think that might be part of it. And then yeah, I heard your talk about the uh, the reparations in that town. Uh, some of your ideas on that, which I which I thought were pretty good too. Uh, definitely like the idea of not taxing the people. I think that that's. I think that not taxing is actually the only moral way that we can do any kind of reparations if that were necessary. And I would be. You know what? I would support it right now. Um, if you're uh, if you're black, no taxes right now. Can we get that? And then let's move on after that. You know, the more people we can set free from prison, the better. Yeah. In my opinion, just a little bit at a time, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's fine. And, the, and that might sound kind of crazy because it sounds unfair, but taxation is unfair and it's a, an immoral act. And if some, if someone can get out of it for whatever reason, I think, I think that that's fine. Um, but when it comes to actually, you know, giving people money, or having, say, me take money out of my pay and give it to someone, I think there there becomes a major issue with that because now you're you're taking 
from me, someone who has nothing to do with that and giving it to someone. So there's an expense. It'd be one thing if the government was just sitting on a big pile of money. They had a bunch of money saved up through all of their uh, terrible things they had done to disenfranchise people over uh, the last couple hundred years. And they're sort of sitting on this big stockpile of money. They're like, oh, okay, we should give some of it back. But they're not. They have a bunch of debt. And if they're going to pay anyone anything, it's got to be taken from someone else. And so then you got to ask, you know, at the expense of who, whom, is are we going to be able to do these reparations? So anyway, I thought your your ideas on that were really good. I was just going to let you know. I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, when, especially when I talk to people about reparations, you know, they always they always point to like, you know, Black Wall Street, right? Like they'll say, oh, well, look at Black Wall Street. They destroyed that. Yes, that's a great point. Black Wall Street was created outside of the government, right? It was created. It wasn't it wasn't uh, given to them. They built it themselves. It was it was a it was a it was a town where, you know, black Americans went to be black Americans on their own. They didn't want the government interfering with them. They didn't want, you know, white nationalists or racists or the Klan or whoever interfering in their lives and trying to, you know, do whatever. So the argument has to be, if you want to use examples of black Americans succeeding outside of the system, why would you want the government that's destroyed those systems to be the one to support them? Give them the tools and the ability to build it themselves. Don't sit there and say, hey, we want to build a house. However, you can only use one kind of a material that everyone else in the country has to use. Well, now that material is not going to be available as readily, right? Because now everyone's got to use it. The market's not going to be able to keep up with it because you're talking about 300-something million people. Just take all of that away. Just say, look, here's a plot of land. Build what you want to. We have nothing to say or do about it. Do what you want to. And then put the ball, let's say, like I said in the episode, put the ball in the courts of people who have promoted this kind of stuff like BLM. BLM says, Oh, you know, black Americans, this, this, and this collect all this money and then buy six fucking mansions. They're not, let them put money into towns like this where there's no taxes, no property tax, no sales tax, nothing. Let them build these towns. And then when we show, Hey, these towns work without taxes, they've got roads, they've got utilities, they've got whatever. Then the argument can be made. Hey, Maybe we don't need taxes at all. Maybe this government's been lying to you that you can build roads without, you know, sending a cop to someone's house to take a part of their paycheck. You know, I love it. Yeah, I think that that's, I, I think that's a great idea. And you're right about an organization like BLM should step in. Maybe they could build a mansion inside that town. You know, they got, they got some money to do that. <laughs> yeah. Just build a couple mansions in there for, for some people. But unfortunately. Well, and the main thing is like you said, give them the tools or whatever. Honestly, I think if you just leave them alone, I mean, like people, people are smart enough and we've seen throughout history that a lot of times what happens is the government is the, um, you know, the wise ones who without them, what would these peasants do? You know, I have to help make decisions for them so that they don't, you know, get hurt and, and these types of things. But it's really like, if you just leave people alone, the things that they'll come up with is unbelievable. You know, like I think, like you said, black wall street's a good example. It's like, look what they had when they were left alone. Mm -hmm. And then look what the government did to destroy it. Like, why would you entrust anything that came to destroy what you had built on your own without any help? Yeah. And we have no proof of any of the programs 
that the government has or has had in the past actually working. I mean, we're talking. In fact, we have evidence to the contrary. We're talking twenty-five to <laughs> twenty-five to thirty trillion dollars have been has been sent, spent on the war on poverty since that was started. Somewhere between twenty-five and thirty trillion. You're you're saying that's that's not enough. Like if we just had Jeff Bezos's uh, two hundred billion dollars, then then that would solve the problem. I guess, you know, that that would take care of it. But the 30 trillion we spent before that wasn't enough. That's not what it is. Like you, you can't succeed off of uh, off of someone else giving you something. There's something weird there where people only see that something must be given to you, not that you could create it. And that's a that's not a recipe for people actually getting out of poverty or getting out of the terrible situation they're in. It doesn't work. Now, how do we make sure that people know that we, you know, we act, I, I believe that libertarianism is actually the most compassionate ideology that there is because the ideas that we're putting forward would actually help people, you know, Democrats, Republicans, they throw out ideas, but they're fake. They don't do anything except for make things worse. Like, how do we convince people that what we're throwing out there is actually the way to do it? Well, you have to start looking at two things. One, um, like, so I'll go back to the, the you know, uh, the black American um, kind of plot, right? If you look at the most successful uh, black Americans in the United States that are entrepreneurs, the one thing that I hear a lot of them say is you have to stop being in this mindset of the system is against you because it's not. A lot of them will actually even talk about how horrible it is for people to sit there and tell black Americans how damaging mentally it is to sit there and say, no matter what you do, bud, well, you'll never succeed. If you tell someone that from the time that they're born to the time that they're dead, they will never try because why would you? I mean, if you're told every day that no matter what you do, you'll never succeed and that and it takes into your mind, you're not going to do anything. Same thing works with with you know with every other ethnic group in the united states if you say hey you can't exist without the government you'll never try right like you'll never try to live your life outside of government here's the crazy thing every single day you live your life outside of government you do you have to because you don't we don't live in this totalitarian society where you have this card that is issued by the government that says hey you can buy gas on tuesdays wednesdays and fridays um you go buy gas when you want to, right? You don't. You don't need permission. You you buy what you want to at the grocery store. Um, we have to start breaking the mindset, the mold that they've indoctrinated us for thirteen years at like public education. You know, they you have to break that mindset of that you need them. It's it's a Stockholm syndrome, basically, right? Mm. Like we've been convinced for a long time that we need these people to help us survive, to protect us, to 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 make us, you know, be better people. But in reality, if you ask someone, Hey, if murder wasn't legal, you could murder anyone you wanted to, would you do it? A lot of people would say no, because that's, that's, if you have that, that basic moral understanding that killing someone's a big deal, which most people have, you're probably not going to do it. Most people aren't murdering because they, they think they'll get away with it. They're just going to do it because they want to, whether there's laws or not. Right. Mm. So it's, it's it's a whole long thing of to me personally it's it's not so much of the legislation it's the mindset of americans is not correct anymore it used to be but we've got to get back to this mindset that being you is more important than being us well and i like I what like you that. said 
earlier as well, uh, you know, in, in addition to that, which is like actually going out in the community and practicing the ideas. I mean, I think that that's, and that's one thing that's really drawn me into the Libertarian Party of Tennessee specifically um, is the work within the community that the party does um, actually going out and pragmatically and uh, physically and emotionally and spiritually being there for people Mm -hmm. and saying like, you know, this is what we believe in um, not because of a book or some philosophy, not saying those are wrong. I do enjoy some, some fine reading, Um, but it's, it's because we care about you. We actually care about you so much so that we want you, we want to leave you alone so you can do whatever you want. (laughs) You know, I mean, think about like when you have teenagers or hell, I've got a five-year-old that you can't tell what to do, you know, (laughs) uh, let alone when he becomes a teenager. It's like, look, you, you can't, um, humans don't respond well to this type of control. They never have. And so why don't, you know, let's just go out and practice the ideas firsthand, make us make a difference in your family or make a difference in your community and see where it can go from there. One thing we did as a region is we, we took, we raised a bunch of money. We did just a bunch of different things to raise as many dollars as we could. Um, we had a, a really expensive booth at, at the regional fair here at the Appalachian regional fair. Um, we had a booth set up. We sat there and talked to people for an entire week, hours every day, just talking to people. And you'd be surprised how many people were like, Hey, I don't agree with most, what most of you, most of what you guys say. However, I appreciate you being here. Like Republicans don't care about it, enough about us to be here. Right? Like they don't have a booth. The Democrats set up a booth. They didn't have anybody to man it. They would much rather sit in a circle or online somewhere and jerk each other off about how much they hate Donald Trump the most. <laughs> um, but showing up and being there is more important to most people. They don't give a shit what you're saying. If they see you in your community, it's important. We, we, we saved up a bunch of money and we bought pallets of water. I'm talking like legit pallets of water. We went out to uh, a local event that they have here uh, in, in a town called Kingsport. Um, they have fun fest every single year. So we took a bunch of wagons. We brought the kids out. Uh, myself, my boys, my wife, um, one of my county chairs, her husband and her kid showed up, handed out water to people. Didn't ask for nothing in return, just said, hey, here's a water, here's a door hanger on some information about who we are. Have a nice day. People would stop and ask us questions or talk to us. Most people just wanted the water because it's free, right? So doing stuff like that, even if you're not getting votes out of it, you get that name recognition, which is dire force because nobody knows who we are nobody knows what a libertarian is like you say libertarian people like oh so you mean like a liberal so you mean like a like a joe biden or a bernie uh bernie sanders for you like no here's what we are you get that name recognition out there is it's that's the first step too so the other good thing is that you're you're doing that that interaction that you're having with people is uh there's no you're not arguing with them. You're not fighting when you have that. You're just doing something nice for someone. And so that's what they have as their first interaction. And even if you don't get anywhere with that, with that, you know, you kind of plant a seed in someone's mind, maybe several years down the road that works out. We're like, well, the Libertarian Party, they were the ones that they were just there just being nice. You know, they, they weren't trying to hammer any ideas into my head, anything like that. They were just out there trying to help the community. And like we said, that's a really cool thing that we've seen LPTN doing. And uh, I think a lot more 
of the, uh, hopefully a lot more of the state parties around the country are going to start doing that because I had left the Libertarian Party. I was done with it. I didn't want to be involved with it anymore. And then when we talked to Dave and he explained to us about what they were doing around the state, I was like, well, that's something I want to be involved in. Even if it's not because of the party or like, I want to be a delegate or I want to do anything like that. Like, okay, I'd like to join an organization and go out and help uh, some homeless people or something like, why not? Why won't, why don't we just make that the libertarian party? Mm-hmm. That's doing that. <clears throat> so, yeah. I'm, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to add, you know, before we, um, before we get out of here, I, I wanted to know like what some of your main, um, issues are that you that you try to cover when you do your shows like what's you know other than guns and you talked a little bit of economics earlier but you know maybe it's not philosophy but is it just any kind of news of the day is there something that normally jumps out to you that you try to talk about when you do these shows so like when i do the sunday night show i try to cover um I try to stay away from the party drama stuff, right? Like the, the cringy, like, eh. but, <laughs> um, I, I do try to focus on serious stuff that will harm the party in serious ways. Like I covered, um, uh, like in LP Texas, I don't know if y'all knew anything about this, but LP Texas invited a, a, a fairly large YouTube streamer named Bausch out to debate Hannah Cox at their convention. Well, the guy has said some really horrific things about pedophilia. And I'm not talking like attacking pedophilia. He went on a, a stream one time and said, I've never heard a good moral argument as to why an adult cannot have a sexual relationship with a child. And it's not detrimental to the child. I, I did and, see that. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was actually the LP Texas that had, that had done that, but I did not yeah. see that. Yeah. I did a one hour spread on it and it, Going through and watching this guy talk, like all the op- like the opposition research I did on it, I'm trying to find like context for it because everyone's like, oh, "You're out of context." Like, no, like the context is not better. It doesn't make it better. It, it, I promise you, it doesn't. I'll send you the links for every video where he said this shit, and it doesn't get any better. And then so I covered that, and then people were like, "Oh, well, you know, you're you're pro Mises because Mises is doing this," and I they'll send me the evidence. And they'll send me stuff. I'll do my own research on it. And lo and behold, Michael Heiss, NPA, endorsed a guy who was arrested and convicted for uh, for uh, sexual assault of a minor. I covered that. I'll cover. I'll cover anything. I think will 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 tarnish the name of libertarians that are doing actual work across the nation. Now, I don't. I'm not going to get into the like uh like the the pro Mises anti Mises fight. Like I don't give a shit. But if I think Mises does something wrong. And it's, it's going to actually hurt people like myself who actually care and do the work, like the, the 5% that do the 95% of the work. I'm going to call it out. Um, if I see a, a news article on, like, the ATF is looking to change its policy on ammo, now you have to register ammo. I'm going to call that shit out. If I see anything I, that I see or is passed along to me that looks beneficial of talking about, I'll cover it. The Will Smith, uh, Chris Rock slap, not beneficial. It is not societally <laughs> or mentally beneficial to anyone. It's a good laugh. I'll show memes, whatever. Not going to cover that shit. It's not useful. We did get some good memes from that, at least. So that was, but we mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't, 
We didn't talk and give any opinions on it, other than we saw people saying that, uh, you know, if you were white, that you couldn't give any opinions on it. And then we had to say, hold on. Yeah. Now, I didn't give any opinions on it, but it's not because I was white. Okay, it's because I don't give a shit. That's that's why <laughs> I didn't give any opinions. Right. Now, sometimes, though, I think <laughs> that you should, that those types of things might might wouldn't be a bad idea to cover. Like getting in the culture. Consider, yeah, you know? considering everyone's mm. talking about it. Mm. So, like, maybe your fans want your take on what everyone's talking about. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I think a little bit we did. We just like, hey, here's what we think about this. We don't care. Well, my first thoughts <laughs> on it was that it was fake. Yeah. <laughs> that now, was I, the first thing. I still think it could be fake. I think that's possible. <laughs> Here we are talking about it. And we said we're not exactly. going to talk about it. See? Okay. See how this goes? Because <laughs> now you got to figure he, he, he out. He not a real slap. Not a real slap. <laughs> yeah. Not a real slapitarian. Not a real slapitarian. Yeah. That's right. He wants you to keep his wife's name out of out of out of your mouth, but he doesn't care if you put her, your dick in her mouth. I mean, that's yeah. that's the that's the big difference, right? Like, don't say her name. You can fuck her, just don't say her name. Yeah. So then we get a conversation around principles and not mm. being like hypocritical and being logically consistent about things. So yeah, see, we can turn this into a libertarian exactly. conversation. No problem. We can always do that. That's fine. Yeah, we're kind of with you on all the Mises stuff and everything. I mean, I really don't have anything against either of these big sides that are, I just really, I feel like it's a whole lot of cart before the horse conversation stuff. Like it's a little soon to be, to be talking about that. Uh, to me, I understand some, some differences on messaging. You know, I, I've left the party because of the lack of necessary 2020 messaging that I thought I should have saw from, uh, from the libertarian party. So I get that, but then some of it, I'm like, man, we're just going to destroy each other before we ever even have a chance, you know. So yeah, I, really and I just, mean, there's a real problem considering the party's been around for almost fifty years, and it's fifty, know. fifty years, isn't it? I mean, yeah. when did it start? Who knows? This year, this year was fifty. Fifty, okay. Yeah, so fifty, mm. it's fifty years old, and so there's something to say. I mean, the party's been around for you know half a century, and uh, most people don't know about it, mm. and so that, that's that's a big problem. There has to be. Um, you know, things that like we're, what we're talking about today, there has to be some name recognition type of things, different messaging, actually living out the principles and the values to, to, to help people realize that there is another option out there. And all these elections where we hate both choices, there's another one. Mm. And, and most of the time it's a better candidate. Sometimes that could be a terrible candidate, but most of the time. Um, lesser I, of three evils is still evil. Is this, uh, by the way, I, I did not see this debate. Is this debate, uh, on YouTube? Oh, the Between, one with Hannah Cox. Yeah. No, it got canceled. They, they, they canceled it. Um, ah. <laughs> yeah, it could. I, I heard people say that they wanted to see Hannah destroy the guy. That, my was, problem, that was my thought. <laughs> My problem was is I was like, if we associate with this guy in any way, shape, or form, people will be like, oh, LP Texas invited a, a, a known pedophile sympathizer to one of their events. It doesn't matter what he what, – if, even if the guy was set up to get destroyed, it won't matter. No one will care. All they'll know is, oh, LP Texas, they brought a pedophile or a pedophile sympathizer to one of their conventions to speak on a public stage. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, uh, I can – I can agree with that. I think I think it's a good idea to not associate with that whatsoever. But um, and 
Anyway, do you got uh, anything else, Charlie? Before we before we wrap up, are you good? No, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. What about um, what, you know, what about where everyone can go to find you? When where they can listen, where they can get involved, all that stuff. Let everyone know. Yeah, we're on a we we stream. A bit, blah, blah, blah. I, I do this semi professionally, so I struggle. <laughs> um, uh, we go live. Uh, when we go live, we go live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, just search for Not A Real Libertarian. Um, we're on the audio version. gets uploaded later to every podcast platform. We actually have a website where you can find our actual videos because eventually social media ain't going to be super friendly to libertarians or like dissident voices. So um, we, we have the website. You can watch the videos there. Um, and just you can find us on every major social media platform just look up not a real libertarian or bootleg or whatever yeah i was gonna ask how you guys not banned off of that stuff yet i mean we've already been i mean i guess we can still go on there but i mean you two we've already had our strikes and been you know suspended a couple times at least and facebook we got demonetized and had our reach cut down i mean by about 90 percent yeah. <laughs> and uh and all that stuff I mean, have you had to deal with much of that yet any censorship we uh we couldn't go live on facebook for a little while um mostly because my my accounts my personal and my my bootleg account keep getting uh suspended for for saying stuff actually i gotta i'm coming Today is my last day on my 30-day sentence uh, for bootleg <laughs> for saying fucking white people. I got a hate speech uh, strike against me on that one. Oh. But we, I think I think our big thing is we are so small still compared to all these other groups. Like y'all are y'all are a fairly large podcast. Um, you look at Cage and you look at Muddy Wise. You, you got all these guys that are fairly large and have a huge following. We're still so small that we can pretty much say a lot of different things and skate under the radar because no one's watching or the, the few people that are watching aren't, uh, we're not, we're not getting this massive traction, I guess is the way to put it. And Charlie's on his third Facebook right now. So yeah. is it third or fourth? I third. I'm on my third one. Yeah. So we had, we yeah. had some issues with that for sure. And, uh, you know, it's probably some of those groups that you got radicalized by in the first place that you're associated with on Facebook. You know, that's <laughs> that's probably what's hurting you right there. You're probably on a uh, uh, probably on a domestic terrorist list of some kind that they're yeah. working off of. I bet that impending the Southern po Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah, that's yeah. been our dream. We just <laughs> we just want to get on the Southern Poverty Law Center's list. Mm -hmm. Like, can we just make it on that list, please? Uh, that's what we do. But but anyway, man. Uh, we really appreciate the time today. I want to make sure that everyone goes and, and finds the podcast and, uh, it's a great talk for sure. And is it uh, not a, is it not a real podcast.com? Yes. Not yep. a real podcast.com. That's a great URL. Yeah, it is. That's really like good. It. Congrats on that URL. That's a good one for sure. Yeah. So not a real podcast.com. That's where everyone's got to go. Not a real podcast.com. You can remember that one anyway, man. Thanks. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, bootleg. Yeah, I appreciate y'all bringing me on. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.